Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. Here we go. It's a brand new Flyers Daily for the 16th of November, presented, of course, by Ticketmaster. Make more memories live. We're going to get some Penn Medicine assist coming up as well. The Flyers had six of them in tonight's game, which means that the Flyers and Penn Medicine, who are teaming up uh, to feed local families in need, local communities in need, they're going to donate lots of food. 30 pounds of food for every Flyers assist this season with the Penn Medicine assist. Flyers get a 3-1 win over Carolina. The revenge tour, it continues. 3-0 now on the mini revenge tour, as I've termed it. I was getting text messages at the end of the game. Oh, the revenge tour continues. Flyers lost all of the games uh, of the revenge tour thus far were losses at home, and all of the revenge has taken place on the road. Kind of bizarre, right? Well, Flyers' first one of the revenge tour was Anaheim. They lost to Anaheim at Wells Fargo Center back on October 28th. The score was 7-4 to in that game. Flyers went into Anaheim, got a 6-3 win. Flyers lost to the Los Angeles Kings on November 4th. A week, late, a week later, they took on Los Angeles in Los Angeles on the 11th last Saturday and got the 4-2 win. So first two stages of the revenge tour complete. Then it picked up last night as the Flyers took on Carolina, who they lost to on October 30th at Wells Fargo Center. 3-2 in that game. Remember, we were tied in that one going into the third. Freddie Anderson was unbelievable in that third period. And the Flyers ended up going down 3-2 in that game. But the revenge tour continued, and they get a 3-1 win over Carolina last night. And now, coming up on Saturday, the fourth stage, stage four of the revenge tour, will be against the Vegas Golden Knights at 1 o'clock at Wells Fargo Center. They lost to Vegas back on October 24th in that game, 3-2. And they'll look to get the revenge on the Cup champs coming up on Saturday. But last night's game, let's get stick to the business at hand. Flyers and Carolina. So the Flyers in the game, they get outshot by Carolina uh, significantly, I guess you'd say, by nine shots, 32-23. to Flyers took five penalties on this game. PK went five for five. That is one of the biggest reasons they won this game. Probably the biggest reason. And you always say the term that, you know, goaltending, your goalie has got to be your best penalty killer. And how about the performance out of Carter Hart? 31 saves on 32 shots after he missed five games for the first part, an injury. And then the second part, food poisoning. He had some bad halibut in Anaheim. And anybody who has had food poisoning knows food poisoning takes a lot out of you in a quick, quick period of time. It took a lot out of heart. It took a chunk of 12 pounds off him in this bout of food poisoning. And you just feel like utter, utter hell when you have food poisoning. And heart did. And, and, you know, when you're injured and then you get food poisoning, you really can't practice. But was back at practice two days ago. As I reported on yesterday's Flyers Day, I thought he looked really sharp at practice. Really dialed in, seeing the puck. And, but it's practice. You go, okay, whatever, practice. Game's a lot different. You're going to be rusty for the game. Well, he wasn't. Made three saves in the first six minutes of the game that were absolute 10-bell high-danger scoring chances from Carolina. And he was off and running and into the rhythm of the game. And he was sharp the entire time. And he was great on the PK. His positioning was stellar. Made great saves when he had to. The only one he gives up, Flyers are up 3-0 in the second period. At an 11-minute mark of the second period, Stefan Nosen is able to beat him 
after a tremendous cross-ice pass from Tony D'Angelo that sets it up and knows him one-times it and beats him high blocker. But other than that, he was flawless in the game. Just an unbelievable performance for a guy that just missed the time with, as I mentioned, the two ailments that he had, one being the injury and then the other, the food poisoning. So good on Carter Hart. What a performance by him. 31 saves on 32 shots. You'll take that anytime you can get it. Flyer goals come 150 into the first period. They start off strong once again. This time it's Owen Tippett, his sixth of the season. And there's a couple good plays on this one from Louis Belpedio. He kind of starts the play, uh, gets up the ice as connecting. He kind of one-touches it to him, and then he gets it to Morgan Frost, and Morgan Frost kind of just puts it on a tee for Owen Tippett. Beautiful little setup for Morgan Frost going down the right side. Tippett doesn't dust it off, doesn't stick-handle it. He just fires it. But the reason why I, I give the other element, and I said two for Louis Belpedio, one, he kind of starts it, and then two, he doesn't just stop when he dumps the puck off to Morgan Frost. He goes to the net, and he provides what I have termed as uh, I usually call like a roving screen. It's a moving screen. As he's coming like to, from the middle of the ice towards the right side where the play is, you know, the goalie, Kachekov, you don't know whether you're trying to look around the screen where he was, which would be the long side, or where he's going, which is the short side, but you're going to run out of space there. And that little bit of, you know, trying to figure out how to deal with a roving screen is enough. That's enough to throw the goalie off his balance, off his ability to to react, and sometimes off his ability to see the shot at release, which is incredibly important. So that roving screen by Belpedio plays a big part in that goal. He ends up getting a secondary assist, but that roving screen, I think, is the, the reason why Tippett's able to beat him from where he did. So... You know, we talked about last year a lot. John Torello used to use the term almost offense. You do all these things right, but you just don't, you just miss one element that would, of what it takes to score in the NHL. And Louis Belpedio provides the one element there, and that's the roving screen, the moving screen that he put on Kachekov. Puts the Flyers up one nothing. but really, Carolina, in the first 15 minutes of the game, dominated the Flyers. I think the shots were 9-3. to three until there was about four and a half minutes left in the first period. Then the Flyers routed off seven of their own shots, and they started to gain some footing late in that first period. You started to see that momentum shift. Look, part of that could be that Carolina's getting good pressure on Hart, good scoring opportunities, not scoring, frustration, just plus the ebbs and flows, momentum shifts of hockey. Then at 19.02, final minute of the period, 58 seconds left, uh, there's a play that's made multiple plays, again by Flyer defensemen. This is another reason why almost offense turns into offense and goal scoring. It's not one, but two pinches in the offensive zone by Sean Walker. I mean, he's been so good this whole year. But he makes two plays on potential zone exits for Carolina that keeps the play alive. And eventually, the puck gets worked back around to Nick Sealer, who does an absolutely perfect on the ice slap pass to connect me who's able to migrate in kind of sneak behind the Carolina defense and redirect it high now the per the, the reason why the the slap pass was perfect first of all it was disguised because it looks like it's going to be a shot and then it's just a hard sh- slap shot along the ice and because it's a low shot Kachekov's got to go down 
into his butterfly and, you know, t- take out the bottom third as an option. But Konechny's got the blade of the stick opened, and as soon as Kachekov goes down, he just opens that a little bit and just elevates the puck into the top part of the net. Kachekov's dead to rights. Flyers go up 2 nothing. You hate to give up a goal in the final minute of a period, and you hate to give up a goal going into the first minute of a period. So the Flyers score with 58 seconds later, with 58 seconds left in the first to go up 2 nothing. Then late in that period, once again, the Flyers get another great opportunity. I think Belpedio made the play as well, and eventually it ends up going to, to Owen Tippett, who goes in on the breakaway on Kachekov. Kachekov throws a really unorthodox, by today's game standards, pad stack at uh, Owen Tippett, makes the save with a couple seconds left, but I imagine that Rod Brindamore was none too pleased when his team gave up a goal in the final minute and then didn't tighten up for the remaining 58 seconds to prevent something like that from happening. And I'm sure, as as sure as I'm sitting here in my home studio right now, that Rod Brindamore let him know that in that first intermission. Guys, we give up a goal in the final minute of a period, and then you allow a breakaway with 50 under, you know, 10, five seconds left in the period? We should be down 3 nothing in this game. Let's come out in the second period. Let's take care. Let's be diligent, you know, and get on top of our game. What happens? The Flyers come out in the second period, and 29 seconds in, they get the goal. I think Rob Brindamore's head was ready to pop off. Ryan Paling picks up his first in the NHL or excuse me, first as a flyer. He elevates a puck from the middle of the slot, right over the glove of Kachekov. Beautiful shot in tight. He's got coverage on him, kind of. Tony D'Angelo's there. He's not tying up his stick or anything, and that's why Paling's able to execute the snipe. And the Flyers go up 3-0. Walker and Lawton pick up the assist. And the Flyers are going, boy, the last minute and first minutes of periods here are great. We score a minute 50 in. We score with 58 seconds left in the first. We get a breakaway in the closing seconds of the first. Then we score 29 seconds into the second. You kidding me? Now, that's kind of the good and bad of Tony D'Angelo. Being there when you're defending is not enough. You got to be there and tie up the player's stick, tie up the player's hands, be positionally in the right spot to deny the player the ability to get the puck. D'Angelo does none of those things in that spot, which allows Paling to get the goal. Later, as I mentioned before, at the 11-minute mark when Carolina scores to get on the board, when Nosen gets that cross-ice pass from D'Angelo as the third man in and the trailer, it's a beautiful pass from Tony D'Angelo. D'Angelo made a pass from behind his net to spring a breakaway. In the, I think it was in the second period. That was an unbelievable pass. But it's those things in the defensive zone that drive, that's what drive you crazy about Tony D'Angelo sometimes. Like you see those offensive abilities and instincts and, you know, you look at the things that he does in the D zone, not taking the hands away or denying the stick of Ryan Paling. And that's what drives you crazy about him because those, it almost seems like a, a conscious decision to not do that stuff. It may not be his instinct to do it, but at the NHL level, you got to do that. And D'Angelo didn't do it. And, you know, the Nosen goals are the only one Carolina would get in the game. Hart closes the door. Flyers get the win. A couple of players that stuck out once again, Sean Walker, again, was really, really strong in the game. Really strong in the game. Uh, I thought Tippett played a real nice game as well. There were some guys, you know, it wasn't a perfect night for the Flyers. 
they were pretty good. Konechny, again, just buzzing. Travis Konechny, you know what you're going to get from him night in and night out. I thought Paling was good on that third line. Um, Noah Cates playing on the fourth line. I, I don't know if that's going to help him generate the offensive elements of his game. I'd like to see him move up at some point. I'm getting a little worried about Noah Cates and his game at this point. We want to see more offense from him. We saw how good he can defend last year. Just hasn't had a great start to this season. I thought Sanheim was good in the game as well. But Walker's just been something that not, I don't think any of us expected. I don't even think the coaching staff expected it. Um, if I'm looking for really the biggest negative of the game, power play still just didn't look good. It's really needs an overhaul. I don't know how to fix it. I don't know if it's practice. I don't know if it's ownership from a certain player or players. They just look they look lost on the power play. They look lost. PK goes five for five. Power play still looks lost. Um, the other thing is this. This is kind of where I'll wrap up. The Flyers right now, they're 16 games into the season. They are tied for the NHL lead with another team that's played 16 games for first period goal scoring. Flyers and Tampa have scored 23 first period goals. If you would have told me that two years ago when the Flyers, or three years ago too, when the Flyers just struggled in first period, they were always fighting from behind so much. I mean, it was insane a couple of years ago. We're like, what do you got to do to get this team to get off to a good start and have productive starts to games? Well, Flyers this year are now 7-1 when scoring first. When they lead after one period of play, they're 7-2. When they lead after two periods of play, they're 7-1. and one. The only team they lost to when they were leading after two was the Vegas Golden Knights, Stanley Cup champs. So playing from in front is a much better recipe for success in today's NHL. And if going into this season somebody would have told me the Flyers 16 games in would be tied for the league lead in first period scoring, I'd say, seriously, where you need to get your head checked. Because... A, this team struggled to score period end of sentence at all times a year ago, and there's not that much different this year. There's not much different personnel-wise, I should say. But they had they had to create such mayhem and work so hard to score last year. But this year, because and I'm gonna talk about it again, because I can't stop. The way they play in transition has changed them offensively so much. And it's, it was posted yesterday on the Flyers' YouTube channel and on all the podcast feeds for Hockey and Hounds, my weekly sit-down with Flyers head coach John Tortorella. And I asked Torts in our conversation, I said, have you ever in your coaching career, and this is a long career, 20-plus years, as the NHL coach, have you ever had such a dramatic shift in philosophical structure and the way you operate on the ice year to year with the same team. And he said, no, not even close. The way the Flyers play in transition now compared to the way they played a year ago in transition is so insanely different and insanely faster 
when you make adjustments as a coach year to year and based on your personnel and what you think you can accomplish and, you know, areas you need to be better. But this is way different. Now, the Flyers last year also ran a 2-1-2 forecheck in the offensive zone. And in that Hockey and Hounds segment, you also hear Torts talk about, look, we're a lot more aggressive, but, you know, you – you, you're, risk, you're setting yourself up with a little bit more risk. You're incurring more risk when you want to play that fast in transition. But you hope that the reward far outweighs the risk. And so far it has. The, the reward has outweighed the risk significantly for the Flyers. And, but you're going to have times when you give up good opportunities because the other team thwarts your play in transition and they're playing on a shorter ice. Or... When you're that aggressive on the forecheck and you've got, you know, two forwards down below the dots and the third forward kind of roving, reading the play, one pass can beat that. Then it's an odd man rush the other way. But that's where you got to rely on your goaltending. And the goaltending that Carter Hart provides, in particular off the rush, he's a good off the rush goaltender. Some goaltenders, not great off the rush, great and tight and all those things. But he's a good off the rush goaltender too. He can bail you out. So you can take on that risk and have the reward outweigh it significantly, as has been the case so far this season. Like, for example, the no-sing goal in the game last night comes off the rush. He's the third man in, the trailer of the play, and a couple of flyer forwards are trying to get back to pick up the third man in, Nosen, who eventually ends up with the goal, but can't get all the way back in time. And Cates is F3 in the offensive zone where that play starts. So he's the highest flyers forward the one closest to his end of the ice. The other two forwards are down below the bottom of the circle, one below the goal line. Cates is actually below the top of the circle. That's a very aggressive forecheck. And as a result, that leads to the odd man rush the other way, and they pay the price. Carolina scores off the rush. Okay. But overall, it's an attacking style of hockey, both in the offensive zone forecheck and the play in transition. And that has been a huge dividend for this team, which is why, again, back to my original point, they're tied for the top spot in the NHL with a team that's got pretty good offense in Tampa Bay. 23 first-period goals, 16 games into the season. I'll have to go back and look last year. Maybe I'll do this for tomorrow's episode at how many goals they had in first periods in their first 16 games a year ago. Here's what I can tell you. I can guarantee this. It, it wasn't that many. I can tell you right now how many goals they had last year in total in first periods. So when you look at last year, I mean, they just had such a hard time scoring last year. When you look at first period scoring by teams in the NHL last year, the Edmonton Oilers led the NHL. They had 92 first period goals. Vegas had 87, second most in the NHL. The Carolina Hurricanes, who the Flyers played last night, had ninth most first period goals at 82. The Flyers last year in first period scoring had the 29, 20, they were ranked 29th. They had 59 total in 82 games, first period goals a year ago. They're scoring now 23 and 16. What is that? Like maybe 1.4 goals per first period around there. I'm not a math major, but last year, 59 and 82. Mm, Big difference. And it's a big difference for this team and where they are right now as well. So what did the win do for the standings 
it's probably still a little early to be talking about the standings. I usually don't get into the standings discussion until Thanksgiving, which is now just a week away, literally a week from today. But that win last night put the Flyers one point behind Carolina. Flyers and Carolina have each played 16 games. The Rangers lead the division. They've only played 14. They've got 23 points. I thought the Caps were dead and buried early in the season. And I still don't believe in them. And I'll tell you why in a second. The Caps through 14 games are 8-4-2. and two. They've got 18 points, one more than the Flyers. But the difference is, is that the Caps are minus 2 in goal differential. A little smoke and mirrors there for me. Carolina, one point ahead of the Flyers. A record of 9-7, and seven, 18 points. They're dead even in goal differential. Flyers 16 games in, 8-7-1, seven, and one, 17 points, plus 4 in goal differential. Then the Penguins have only played 14 games, so the Flyers have played two more. But the Penguins have 16 points, but a goal differential of plus 14. Teams that have been disappointing here in the early season, how about the Devils? People were saying Stanley Cup when it came to the Devils. They're not off to a great start. 14 games in, only 15 points, and they're minus in the goal differential. They've lost three straight. The Islanders, 14 games, and only 13 points, have lost five straight. And then the team that we'll see on Sunday, the Columbus Blue Jackets, they just... I mean, they finished with 59 points last year. 16 games in, they've got 12 points. They're 1-6-3. and three. In their last 10, they've lost six straight, and they're minus 14 in goal differential. Johnny Gaudreau's been benched and has not been good. So, Proveroff had an awful read uh, the other night for a Crosby goal against the Penguins. So, the Blue Jackets will be looking to get their season straightened out. Flyers can't have a slip-up against them come Sunday. But first, it's Vegas Saturday. All right, let's wrap it up there. Uh, we talked about a lot in this episode. Make sure you check out that Hockey and Hound segment as well on Flyers YouTube or subscribe to it on all your uh, different uh, podcast platforms that you use, Apple, iTunes, whatever, Spotify, Stitcher. I don't know all of them, but Google, Google Podcasts, I'm not sure. But make sure you Subscribe there. Make sure you subscribe to this one, too, if you haven't yet. Leave us a five-star rating and review as well. All right, that's enough for me. Everybody, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We'll talk to you tomorrow on a brand-new Flyers Daily.